Hi everyone, time for a disclaimer. The information contained in this episode is not intended to be personal financial advice. You should always seek the advice of a professional before making any financial decisions and always do your own research. Let's get into the episode. This is Black Millennial Money. This is Black Millennial Money Boy. This is Black Millennial Money. This is Black Millennial Money, where we talk about how you can make more money, keep more money, invest your money, and spend your money on the finer things in life, all from a Black Millennial perspective. I am your host, Joseph Walsu, and today I am with the Money Medics. But before we bring in the Money Medics, I've got some notices. Some of you, some of you are, some of you are hurting me personally. You're watching on YouTube, you're listening on Spotify, but you haven't subscribed, you haven't liked, you haven't told your friends. I'm gonna give you one more chance to be my friend. Click like, click subscribe now, comment, share, and share it with all your friends. It helps with the algorithm. It helps more people discover the podcast. And overall, it puts a smile on my face. And who doesn't want that? <laughs> Without further ado, <laughs> we have the Money Medics on the show today. Now, just to put this in perspective, the Money Medics are a pretty big deal are a pretty big deal. Usually we have illustrious guests. We have some, we have some stars. We've, we've had the David Villa Clarks. We've had the Emmanuel Osukos. We've had the Michaela Greens. But we've never had the Money Medics. We've never had the trio. We've got two of them here today because we're talking money and relationships. It's a spend money episode. They've been on the BBC. They've been in the Telegraph. They've been on the Financial Times. But now they're on Black Millennial Money. They've been in Plum. N26 have worked with them. They've worked with the company, tick, the impact investing company, Ticker. On top of all of that, they work in banking. One of them's a pharmacist as well. So super, super talented, smart people who are here to talk about money and relationships. The Money Medics, Eve and Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think I can add anything else to it. <laughs> Don't worry, you can edit and play every morning. Thank you for the introduction, honestly. Now, you guys deserve it. You guys have, it's, like, to the outside world, it seems super quick, but you guys have really, like, taken off, and to me, in, like, the past year. I know you've been at it coming on three years now, right? Two, two, like, since 2018? Yeah, two and a half, two and a half years. Two and a half years, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and here you are, ascended to the top. Right here on Black Millennial Money. <laughs> uh, two years just to get to this place. It's been, it's been a hell of a ride. I thank you guys for coming on. <laughs> but as always in every show, we want the people to get to know you guys because obviously they see the titles. You've been in the BBC, the Telegraph. You work with every financial app in the UK is basically saying your name. What are three things people should know about you? Like Eve, Nick, who wants to start first? You can start. Um, so when I was at uni, I used to work in the cycling industry. So I worked um, at Evan Cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not sure many who follow cycling. I uh, fixed Bradley Wiggins' bike and Chris Froome's bike. So I'm not saying I was the reason why they, they won their titles. But let's just say um, I made sure that their, their bikes didn't uh, fall apart during uh, their competitions. Um, so that's one of the things people should know about me. What, what now, Nick, you can't downplay that too much. You can't downplay that. Like these, these guys are cyclists. So without their bikes, there's no job. You kept them employed. 
<laughs> true or not true? <laughs> you got the gold medal. You got the Tour de France for Chris Froome. You were part of that, then. Oh, where's your medal? song that no one's ever heard right <laughs> oh you're taking shots i'm just saying that i'm, I'm it's just you making it seem like we don't know who notes is like uh, it's like drake and then notes or something like that anyway <laughs> but um my sister and i used to have um a marketing company and we worked with his management to um uh, we sort of basically dealt with the marketing of his song aladdin so I don't know if you guys saw on his Instagram, he had the three, two, one, the Aladdin thing. That's everything mm-hmm. that we created. So, yeah, that's an interesting story about my past. And okay. then, of course, we are married. Yeah. You know? So I think sometimes a lot of people don't know what is the relationship. I don't, you know, I think because so many people have joined us in different parts of the Money Makes journey, mm. and go back to the very, very beginning, mm. people just think, oh, we're just free friends or whatever, but he's my wife. I'm a husband, uh, my other co-founder, my sister, yeah. Ashley. Ashley. So me and Ashley, we went to the same uni together. So I knew Ashley before I knew Nick. They didn't introduce me to each other, but uh, a few years later, I met Nick. And he's like, oh, okay, you should know my assistant because you guys went to the same uni. I was like, okay, he's a sister. He was like, Ashley. I was like, oh, damn, okay, cool, yeah, small world. That could have been yeah. crazy if you guys were beefing at uni. I know, I was going to be good to people, boy, because... <laughs> <laughs> oh my days on that note I'm not joking I was I was on an email thread at work mm. and someone emailed me afterwards and it turned out to be a girl I met when I was in a restaurant with my girlfriend I went to the bar just said hello to whoever was next to me as you do turns out she works with me now at my current company God knows what would have happened if, if I was not sober at least at the time I ordered the drinks <laughs> can yeah, you imagine exactly the world is too small you've got to be nice to people insane <laughs> insane so yeah a positive vibes and now you're married to your friend's brother which is yeah see see all of you listening that are pagans that's why you ain't married i'm joking i'm joking i'm, 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 I'm joking i'm actually joking uh but let's move on to the topic of this episode we're talking about relationships and money um now that we know who the money medics are, we know a little bit about them. We know that their success goes beyond the world of money. Usually when people are talking about free things, we get to know about them. They're talking about their allergies or their favorite foods. But these guys are hanging out with superstars and winning Olympic gold medals for people. So it is what it is, isn't it? Um, so money and dating. One of the things I wanted to talk to you guys about is because specifically you guys are a young couple, married couple, who are in the world of finance. And... When we're online as millennials, which is kind of where we all live, right, there seems to be a lot of social pressures around money and dating. And I wanted to discuss certain things that have been on the internet recently and 
the social pressures that they put on people. So some of you may be familiar with, with B. Simone. She's an influencer slash businesswoman on Instagram and YouTube and that. And she was recently on Nick Cannon's radio show, I think it is. It's on YouTube, so it's a video to me. Um, where she said she basically can't date a guy who isn't an entrepreneur because he doesn't understand why she wakes up at three in the morning. Now, there's a lot of those narratives around money, relationships, and who you should be with. And maybe there's a bit of logic in that, but what's your take as to those kind of sweeping statements about people like a guy with a nine to five, no matter how much he makes, is just kind of not the same as an entrepreneur? You want to start, man? You can start. Well, go on, you can. Um, I think um, in any relationship, the importance of understanding is very important. Mm. But at the same time, I don't want to say that I don't agree with her, her viewpoint, you know. I think it's, um, there's merit in, what's the word? I don't know how to describe it. There's merit in dating someone who doesn't necessarily come from the same world as you. You know, they say up and iron sharpens iron in the sense that you can kind of rub off each other if you come from different backgrounds as opposed to um, coming from the same perspective. The same way the importance of diversity in any organization. Hmm. Um, I don't know what's what's your. I mean, I, I that was a bit of a sweeping statement. I mean, I haven't actually listened to what she said um, myself, so it would be good to get a bit of like a background of why she said that, like what her personal experiences were. Maybe she's dated like quite a few guys that have nine to fives, and it's caused caused issues in the relationship. Um, especially if you do have a nine to five and just a nine to five. Um, you know, we can get used, well, I know for me personally, I have a nine to five, so I do see my weekends as me time. And some, maybe sometime um, an entrepreneur might not really have that level of flexibility. So, I mean, I see where she's coming from, but I feel like that is a bit of a sweeping statement. And just because you have a nine to five, that doesn't mean that you're not a hard worker. Um, I feel like that statement does kind of, um, again, I didn't listen to it, so I don't know the background, but it does kind of make it seem as though like, entrepreneurs are better than those that have a nine to five and that's not the case it's like everyone has a lifestyle or career that's suitable for themselves um just because you have a nine to five doesn't mean that you're not a hard worker um and just because you're you're an entrepreneur that doesn't mean that you are a hard worker so um yeah it's a bit of a bit of a sweeping statement but you know you know live your life if that's what you want for yourself you know you do need that element of um financial compatibility so you know if that's what she wants that's what she wants mm. I, I think the, the only thing i will add though is like just kind of touching my own my own journey together as a couple i know like um depending on the type of relationship you're in there are some and the love language of the individual right there are some people whereby quality time or the time spent together is a very very big deal and you've you've been yeah we've been together for almost five years right and I know that there are some times when I had to work really 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 long hours yeah. and I know for a fact that you wouldn't necessarily be comfortable if that was a normal thing doing those type of hours yeah. so I think there's there's something there in like um it really does depend on the, the relationship you're going to. Not every woman will be accepting of um, that type of lifestyle. But at the same time, you know, it's like to get, to get certain things or assets or whatever, or to kind of have that income that supports your habits or whatever, 
there are certain sacrifices you're gonna have to make that people are gonna have to understand. Like, even in during this time, I know like where my mind is at the, at the moment, like I'm trying to do other stuff, you know, and it can come at the expense of not having to be as sociable as you want with other people. Mm. So, yeah. But then just to clarify, even you, you saying that yourself, that shows that having a nine to five doesn't necessarily mean that you're working nine to five because, yeah, you know, yeah. you come home really late night. Yeah. Um, you know, people in investment banking as well, they do like a hundred hours a week sometimes. <laughs> Just because you have a nine to five, don't put that person in a class course, in yeah. a box that means that they don't work hard or they just go to work, come home and chill. That's not necessarily the case. Yeah. Okay, I'm glad to see you agree with us, man, Eve, on this one. But <laughs> you started off sort of like on the fence, but you eventually came to our side. I appreciate this. <laughs> um, something else I wanted to touch on, which is a hot topic always on Black Twitter, right? Who pays for the first date? And the idea that, that a man must pay, and also if he doesn't take you to somewhere of a certain standard, it, he basically doesn't respect your life or the investment your prayers have made and bringing you up and to be a useful person, I guess. I don't know. Like, it's, it's, and it's even happened to me. I've, I've ha I had a girl after the date. She never told me at the beginning. After the date, or when I said, because this is, this is a time in my life when I was, so when I was, I was I was in the streets a little bit. I was in the streets. I'm not gonna I'm not I'm not gonna act like okay. like, I, like I was always a saint. But um, I was thinking I ain't got a budget to be uh, to be to be splashing out on all of you. So we're going halves on this particular. One. <laughs> so I said, yeah, yeah, let's go halves. Um, when you say all of you, but you mean more than one guy at the same time. Oh yeah, I was an early adopter of Tinder. Let's just say that. Damn. Okay. Early, early adopter, you know. Okay. How many did you have on the go at a time? It's a long, 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 long time ago. I can't remember to be uh, to be uh, to be precise, but um. Not too many to count. Too, too many. <laughs> let's let's just move on. Move on. Um, basically, she after the day she said she she had crossed me off because I decided to go home. I was like, well, you could have told me before the meal, and we could have just went home. Like, but. Should I have to pay for the first date because I'm man? Like in 2020, you black women are out earning black men. They're 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 rising up companies faster. They're more educated than us in every metric. They're they're outperforming us on pretty much every metric. Do I still need to pay? Because that comes from the time when you guys were kind of tied to the kitchen, right? <laughs> Let me hear your opinion first, now. Well, maybe. Yeah. Um, I think my opinion, my my opinion and and thought process has changed. So I used to be one of those like show show guys, you know, like um, oh yeah, if I'm meeting someone, like um, my the place I take them to needs to reflect my lifestyle, you know, like I'm balling this 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 that. Offending and fendi, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess like fast forward to like um, 24, 25 or whatever, just before I met Eve. I started to kind of change my mindset in terms of why are you trying to, it's good, like, um, all those nice things, but you don't want any superficial relationships, you know? You want something of sustainability and longevity, you know? So I want to be with someone whereby if you rip off the, the job title or where you work or whatever, they're still with you for the sake of it. So mm -hmm. I think... 
in being a gentleman, I think there's a gesture there in it, nine times out or eight times out of 10, if you've asked a woman or, or um, to go out with you somewhere, there is a, a burden on you to pay for it. And it's the same thing, man. I think if um, I'm with my boys or whatever, and if there's something along the lines of whereby I've asked you to come out to a particular place or, or whatever, really and truly part of it, or part of picking up the bill, I may pick up the bill, but it may be a case of like, oh, no, you know, we're going to go 50-50 or split it. But then to your point that um, women are earning more, et cetera, et cetera, I think what it comes down to, there's a, there's a part in um, Wretch 32's uh, Don't Go. There's a part that he says that um, I can something pay the bill, huh. but I, um, you can also do it but you choose not to out of the respect of me etc i can't remember the exact lyric or whatever but mm -hmm. if you google it that's the dynamic every every relationship is trying to strive for that yeah i may have the means to pay for it or whatever etc but at the same time there are certain times or scenarios whereby you may just want to treat me and, and pay for something etc etc that's that's my take on it okay okay Hmm? Uh, good. <laughs> <laughs> he basically said before, before I met you I was spending big money when I met you I relaxed <laughs> I was like okay right <laughs> I didn't get to enjoy that lifestyle <laughs> cool. all, all these guys went drippy then I'm sorry <laughs> but personally I do feel like um, I feel like it is gentlemanly chivalrous for guys to pay on the first day and it doesn't necessarily have to be like you know going to the like best restaurant in the world it doesn't have to be hakasan it doesn't have to be no boot it doesn't have to be nothing like that um you know like i've always said you can go to like starbucks you can just go for a coffee you can go to hyde park go for um, a picnic but i do feel like it's very uh, gentlemanly for a guy to pay on the first date and you don't have to spend a lot paying on the first date doesn't mean that you're um you know blowing your budget and you know although i'm not you know for it but you know if you have like yourself oh like you're like you used to have awesome fast pass, pass. <laughs> on, on the go and you <laughs> then you know being on dates with them you won't necessarily have to spend a lot of money because you'll be like you know you can go to parks etc um but I don't really agree with that. But that's that's a different topic of conversation. I just um, want to yeah. clarify: it was never ten. Oh, that, that's uh, <laughs> sorry. Oh, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, okay, okay. You're... Never get you in trouble. Thank God I'm settled. You can't spoil my market now. It's fine. <laughs> but um, yeah, I do feel like it's it's gentlemanly for for a guy to plan the first date. But then, um, as things progress, I think um, things should be, um. Uh, I think we sh we should share it. So in our relationship, uh, I think you did pay on the very very first date, and then after a while we will take it in turns. So I'll pay sometimes, you'll pay sometimes, or like if we go cinema, like someone will pay for tickets, the other person will pay for food, etc. And then it got to a point whereby um, we were spending quite a bit on going out because we were dating, and we decided to get a kitty. So we opened up a bank account. Um, and we put a percentage of our salaries into the bank account. So mm. we would, every time we go out, we would spend on that particular card. So therefore, we'll literally be splitting it every time we went out, but we didn't have to necessarily think about, okay, are you going to cover it? Am I going to cover it? It's mm. kind of like, it's just going to go on the card that we put in, that we put money towards every month. 
and then that kind of just settled that. So after that, it was like yeah. just goes in the quiet. Yeah, it's not even something that you have to think about. Yeah, because I think like to all my brothers who are listening to this podcast, I think is you have to can you have to protect your bag, you know, because you don't want to you don't want to reflect uh, five or six years down the line and mm. you realize, oh man, I've literally blown three, four, five, six, or whatever it may be, and she wasn't the one, you know. <laughs> So that's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. I know. Now you know why I went halves. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but, but you, you see what I mean. So you have to kind of take that long term view, right? You don't want to be looking that ah oh, or whatever, and then I'm like ah oh, I'm in this relationship now, and then oh, I spent so much in the previous relationship or or whatever, and I realize across a three year period that's a lot of money. Oh. So I think it's like you have to conserve your bag. You have to be strategic about how you approach it. So yeah, so. When it, that time comes, whereby you pay for the first day, and it's like you're telling like, "Babe, I've got goals, I've got priorities. What are your goals or priorities or, what, or whatever? Let's not impede our goals by spending too much on food or doing X, Y, and Z." You know. Yeah. And, and also, if you know you're not paying, whether it's the guy or the girl, um, don't take the mic. So mm. <laughs> if you're going for a dinner, and if I say, "Okay, I'm going to cover it," and then you, you know you're getting a free meal from me because we're going on a date then mm. you know don't go buying lobster or like the exactly. biggest don't get free for cocktails you this thing used to pay me man like it's like you propose that we went to this place and then you see the menu and they're like you're ordering the most expensive i'm not referring to you they're referring to the past like they order the most expensive. way way back way way back way way back, way back. <laughs> they're ordering the most expensive thing i'm like thinking like what are you doing uh, what are you, you 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 told us to come here and then it's not so it's just you're just looking at like why are you ordering like the solo and you you eat salads every day but today where i'm paying you find a steak has entered your okay fine but but eve you mentioned something that was really interesting that is actually kind of the perfect transition for our next session where or the next section is conversation where it's what point do you start doing that planning where so you guys started sort of combining your dating budget and getting reasonable you you had probably gone past the initial honeymoon stage right um when do you think it's worth having that talk about finances and what kind of key things are there to discuss when it comes from a financial standpoint in dates in a relationship i think have it as early as is reasonable so (laughs) (laughs) so as in like as soon as you start seeing yourself getting serious with someone and start thinking to yourself oh do you know what i could actually uh, settle down with this guy um you know i'm gonna introduce him to my parents and my family etc as my other half Hmm. then that would be a good time to start talking about your finances and we had this as well whereas um i do you know what i actually can't remember how how far down in our relationship this happened but we um, um, I asked to see your credit score mm. and you know we shared each other's finances and relative like very early maybe like in the second week huh? I asked how um, how much you earned oh yeah that, <laughs> and, and I disclosed how much I earned as well mm. um, he wasn't honest but yeah, you know yeah, but we'll was, come on to that we'll come on to that as a different time <laughs> um, in retrospect that probably was a little bit premature for me mm. to ask me but at the time I didn't really think of um like salary as like that big of a deal it was kind of just like okay how much do you earn so I know what we can and can't do right now it wasn't mm. really like oh I'm 
you know, um, sizing you up based on your money. It was more like, oh, it's just like a general topic of conversation. Mm. So I didn't see it as a big deal. But um, now, in retrospect, I do understand where, why he wasn't um, as happy to disclose it so early in the relationship. But anyway, another topic of conversation. Yeah, but, and, I, and I think in terms of to your uh, point, Joseph, like uh, how early uh, or when you should discuss that, I think it's like, deciding in your mind what this relationship means to you Aww. you know if this is the one and you're someone who has some grasp over your finances having a grasp over your finances or make or making it easier to organize your finances having goals mm. and you're going to be assessing those goals on a whether it's in a three month six month nine month or yearly basis mm -hmm. so it makes sense to it doesn't make sense if I'm spending 500 pounds or 600 pounds going out with some every single month or whatever it may be. Yeah. And then it's eating into um, whatever your goal may be. So you need to have that conversation as to what can we combine to reduce certain costs or what do we need to do together, whether we want to go, um, you, you guys want to go on holiday or whatever it may be uh, to help you plan financially. Mm -hmm. uh, so to add to that as well, another reason why um, knowing each other's finances relatively early on is so important is because um, it will make your finances kind of make quite um, a big, it makes a big part of your marriage, your relationship, etc, etc. So, for example, if you find out very early that your partner is not really good with his money or has like a terrible credit score, then you can work towards fixing it. So when you get to a point where you do want to buy a house together or you do need to take out a loan together, mm -hmm. by then things would have been sorted. Whereas if you find these things out, like if you're like, OK, let's buy a house uh, next year and you, you only have that money conversation that year and you find out the things like he's in debt or things are in there, in the gutter then you don't really have to, you don't really have that much time uh to rectify things yeah and you know when you find again when you find that early on um it's an opportunity to start building better money habits for your family for your future children etc mm. etc so as early as reasonable at the end of the day my brothers and sisters prevention is better than cure you know <laughs> you want to you want to prevent it's true like you want to you want to tackle it earlier on as opposed to oh, we've got a bad credit score, so we have to wait two, three years or push things down the line, mm. uh, you know? So the earlier you can identify what the problems are or whether or not we're together and we're earning a certain amount of money, I'm going to push you, I'm going to encourage you to go for a better-paying job and vice versa, you know? So. And one last thing to add, sorry. <laughs> My, <laughs> last thing. Money is such a sensitive topic. So when you do broach the subject, you have to be so um, careful. Um, I feel like people have, like money is like money in relationships in general is quite taboo. Mm. Um, so just be cautious when you are talking about it. Ensure that you don't come across as like judgmental or like I'm better than you or anything like that. Um, just make sure you put everything out on the table and try to be as transparent as possible. And the key word is, is we. Yeah. As the, as that's the, that's the best <laughs> word, we. So what can we do to make the situation uh, better? Or what would, you, what, what would you like me to do to help and kind of push you or encourage you or whatever? Yeah. And it, when you approach it using that language or that uh, standpoint, it's a lot um, easier as opposed to, oh, you did this, so you're not good with this. It's like, how can we 
So it's, it's all about problem solving. Mm. That's the, the biggest thing in my relationship is problem solving, you know? I, it's interesting. You guys touched on a number of different things there where we spoke about the idea of salary, credit <clears throat> scores, as well as someone's debt and how that can have a longer term impact on your finances and your planning together. Um, I guess one of the things that people listening to this are going to be thinking is what are some initial entry level steps are low risk that I can take to, um, to sort of see what this person's like with money. And one of the things that I recommend for people, and this is, this is up to you guys, if you think this is a good idea, cause you are the money medics, right? I'm not going to try and tell you guys what to do. Um, I always recommend that people get like a holiday fund and that's like a joint account. Now joint accounts are, they can be tricky, but as far as I'm aware, they don't impact your credit score unless there's an overdraft attached to it. But the idea of it is that you guys make regular payments. And basically, if someone can't maintain the amount that you agreed on, say it was £50 a month. For me and my girlfriend, it was £50. It still is £50 a month. If someone can't maintain that, chances are all's not glitter. All that glitters is not gold. That's the phrase I'm looking for. <laughs> because... If I'm being fully honest, at some point I'm going to share my debt story on here. But the only time I could have made my fifty pound a month payments is when my is when I was owing several thousands of pounds. So that kind of, so that was sort of symptomatic of a wider issue. From you guys' perspective, what's some low hanging fruit that people listening could possibly consider in their relationships or as a means of even starting that conversation? I mean. I feel like if you want to have any type of a joint finance with someone, you really need to trust them. Mm. Um, and of course, before you get to that level of someone, I would assume that you do trust them anyway. But just be cautious that when you do have a joint account, um, the money is equally yours and the other person's. <clears throat> so if you guys get into an argument or anything like that and the person decides to withdraw the money in that account and run off, then you know, they, <laughs> they're in their right to so just be wary of things like that mm-hmm. um and as you said i mean you're the can i say where you work no we do not disclose that it's on my linkedin but we don't talk about it okay <laughs> right <laughs> but yeah with um when it comes to credit scores just be cautious about who you do have joint accounts with so this is why i would recommend checking the other person's credit score first before maybe um, creating a joint account with them because if you do then they they will be on your credit report and they'll be linked as um, a financial thing of like a financial connection. social uh, yeah they're a financial <clears throat> connection so sometimes um depending on the lender they may consider the other person's um uh credit status when they're deciding whether or not to give you um credit or a loan or anything like that so i mean what, do whatever works best for your relationship. If you feel like having um, a savings account with uh, where you both put money in together, then and you trust the person hundred percent, then you know that's a great idea. Um, for me personally, I feel like I feel like checking the credit score will be a good first step because that just gives you like a general history, like a good six year history. A <laughs> CRD <laughs> check, yeah. <laughs> Is this person addicted to? Amazon or whatever. <laughs> it gives you a good general like six year history about, you know, <laughs> any CCJs, any bankruptcies, or you know, anything dodgy that may have happened in the past six years or so, which is a good um which is, I feel like it's a good starting point. <laughs> mm. 
<laughs> but also with their permission, because the way you make it sound is like you're checking his credit scores and asking. <laughs> yeah, no, of course, you can't check someone's credit score unless they actually show it to you. So mm. they have to be willing to show you as well. I think, I think uh, for us, what was a good starting point in terms of um, beginning that transparency or spending habits was that piggy bank. Yeah. At the end of the day, um, if people don't live together or you're meeting someone for the first time, you're bound uh, to go out on dates quite a few times, go to different places. So having some sort of fun, um, kind of similar to what, what you're saying, you know, having some sort of fun will kind of both assess your spending habits, you know, because if we've agreed as a, as a unit that we're going to contribute 50 or 100 pounds to allow us to go out, but you find that we keep on going over budget in whether we're going to Dolchester or going to all these expensive <laughs> different places, you have to question that if we've created some sort of joint pot and we keep on going over budget, there's quite a high likelihood that in your own personal budget, you may be uh, over, overspending, you, well. you, you know? So that's a good way to weed things out. Um, <clears throat> I guess another step is goals. You know, I think um, if you haven't bought a house, you know, I think every person's aspiration... Yeah, because it's... Oh, sorry. Terrible. Every person's aspiration is to start investing or to purchase a home one day. And I think it's asking those questions or like, <clears throat> when do you want to get onto the property ladder? Or like, um, you could be asking an honest, open question. Oh, I don't invest. I'd like to start investing. Do you invest? You know? And that kind of dictates the person's spending habits or how they view money. Because at the end of the day, in that setting those goals, there, there is going to be a point in time whereby pay slips are needed, you know, and uh, that's where the real full honesty needs to come out. So I'll yeah. tell you the, the, some of the steps and guidance we would give. Okay, so we kind of covered the entry level steps, but I'm going to be I'm mindful that some people listening to this, they're going to be further down the line in their relationships where they're looking at maybe buying houses or maybe they already live together, but maybe they don't own. What kind of things did you guys sort of discover about each other once you made the step to transition from from dating in separate houses to now living and being married in the same house? Discover about each other. Mm. In <laughs> and how did the planning evolve, I guess, now that you're, like, the electric bill is our electric bill rather than an electric bill of X person's house? <laughs> yeah, so we, um, we lived, up, okay, so there was a good time where I was in Bristol first, so... Um, we dated for about a year or so and then I moved to Bristol for a job opportunity. Um, I bought a house there and um, stayed there for two years. Nick bought a house in this area um, and then I lived here for like a couple of months and then after you moved in with me. <laughs> but um, when it comes to what we discovered, um, do you have any, do you want to take that? Um, I think it's just... Um... I think a lot of the things I, I learned from Ease was just kind of the personal admin involved in kind of managing uh, what it means to be an adult. You know, you, you go from just um, living under your parents' house or whatever to kind of all these bills um, thrown at you left, right and centre. Mm -hmm. So I guess it kind of prepared me for, I kind of knew what to expect um, in kind of taking that journey myself. So mm -hmm. I'd say that was helpful. But I would say... There wasn't any glaring surprises in the... Well, after we moved in together. Yeah. Mm, not particularly. I mean, 
not money wise it was interesting because <laughs> <laughs> you know when you live apart when you um when you move in together you learn a lot about that person's uh character and no disrespect at all <laughs> but when you've um lived away from your parents for an extended period of time there's a lot of skills that you tend to pick up and mm-hmm. um, that i could tell that because nick hadn't lived away from his parents <laughs> he hadn't <laughs> which is not, no, it's, fine, it's not a bad thing really. <laughs> it's not a bad thing but it's just things that you pick up um, from living by yourself so you've technically never actually lived by yourself because you didn't move out during uni and and when you moved into this house I was really here <laughs> <laughs> so um <laughs> so yeah there are some things that you've learned um a bit later which is again not a bad thing at all it's not not a bad thing so things like for example um I, I'm actively switching uh uh electricity and gas providers trying yeah. to look for good <clears throat> deals and mm. and um like what to insure what doesn't need insurance and and just general household management like how to go on i had to switch off the light i had to change that wow fair enough <laughs> you couldn't change the light bulb is that no 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 it's not like i couldn't change the light <laughs> It's just more of, I don't know how to explain it. It's more. No, of, you know how to do it, but you've never had to do it before. Yeah, I guess it's just more of like, um, obviously, if someone has done something for you and you're doing something for the first time, obviously, you're going to leverage their experience um, in terms of how to do things appropriately and efficiently. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to say, like, um, when I was living at home, as opposed to someone who may have lived at uni, stuff like gas electric or where those things are, or whatever. You're not going to know them uh, per se, and even when I was like contributing to my household, it wasn't my responsibility to to know like where those uh, things are. So I guess as opposed to like quickly upskilling myself online how to do those things, I'm going to be asking someone who's who's been in the thick and uh, through of it. Yeah. Um, so so yeah, I would say that's what I learned from Eve. Like I yeah. just to clarify, it's not a bad thing, but <laughs> no, but it's it's an interesting thing because. Because when two people come together, you, as much as you guys have been talking and been dating and you, or you were together for years before you moved in together, right? You then discovered that you are very, you're two very different people from two different financial cultures almost from what was happening in your home, the way in which things were run and the way you grew up and your experiences led you to become different in the way in which you approach money. And that's that's what a lot of people find because I thought you guys were going to talk about how you guys split the gas and electric who pays for what, but that's an, ins- but, but that's an insightful conversation about understanding where your partner is or where your if you want to call them your partner, your boyfriend, your husband, wife, whatever it is, like where they are on this, in the scale of, I guess, financial exposure. I don't want to say maturity because that sounds unfair, but understanding where you are and, and your different perspectives. So with me and my girlfriend, actually, um, so she grew up in a more middle-class home than I did, and I grew up in a council estate. So I had to be aware who's, which, which energy providers not to answer the phone to and at what time of the month. Is that British Gas? No, don't answer that person. Is that a red bill, yellow bill? What does that mean relative to how soon you have to pay for it? She don't know, but she's never had to deal with any of that. It, would just, it just happened around her. 
So, so now that we're talking about moving into our own house and all of these kind of things, it's now becoming more of a conversation of, ah, I know how to read a meter because I had to do that when the key wasn't charged. Like I had to, I had to pull out the key and figure that out when I got home, there was no electricity. Whereas in her situation, she's never had to be so hands-on because mom and dad would just take care of it. And that's a real thing in a relationship to understand how that affects you once you're in the same space. So, no, very valid point you both made. Very honest as well. I appreciate that. No, no, no. I guess, like, just to, to answer the question in terms of how we do, divide things, I think it's always been a case that the fact that Eve already has her own property in Bristol and, um, like, you know, we have this together. I think how we've approached that and things like that. I, I think going through the wedding, <clears throat> it made me realise that um, that approach is not necessarily sustainable. So I'll tell everyone, and I think people have said this, uh, will know this, that I wasn't necessarily um, a believer in joint accounts in mm. terms of restrictions, but then I just did some more research, and I guess it's more how you structure the joint accounts as a couple that makes it work for you. So I guess what we found initially was that are you... So just to clarify, because I know we mentioned the kitty in the beginning, um, just so it doesn't cause any confusion. That kitty wasn't um, a joint account. It was my account that he would, that we would both pay money mm. towards, just to clarify that. Oh, wow. Okay, so you definitely trusted her not to run off with your date night money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, but it, but we calculated <laughs> it so that it would be enough money to last a month. So it was never like a big collection of cash mm. in there or anything like that. Okay, so, so not, that's not enough for you to get tempted to disappear, is what you're saying. <laughs> okay, enough for free, free, free meals at Nando's, I guess. How much was it? It was like £200 a month. £200 a month, yeah. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Um, fair enough. But yeah, I was, I was just saying that um, in terms of like... Um, Joint accounts. management together... Mm -hmm. um, with us initially, it was a case of, oh, I would uh, cover the mortgage bills and Eve would cover like, um, what is it? Uh, and the LD bills and groceries. Groceries or whatever. And I think what we found in the long term, especially like if you want to have a family or whatever, and the other half may be out of work or, or vice versa or whatever, it becomes more strategic and constructive to kind of build a collective pot you know, and then at the same time, when you build that collective part, you don't necessarily pull all your money into it, and then that's mm -hmm. it. It's more you still you set up a direct. It, I think it goes back to how you structure your finances as an individual. You know, mm -hmm. you, you're supposed to segregate your fixed expenses from your discretionary expenses, and then you have your <clears throat> enjoyment money or whatever, and you apply that same principle that uh, principle when you're a couple in terms of you have your fixed expenses, you have your discretionary spend, whether it's takeout, et cetera, and then you have your own money to do as you want, if that makes sense. And that's yeah. the kind of approach we've adopted and we think it works. Yeah. <clears throat> it's interesting that you say that because um, I'm a big Dave Ramsey fan. Um, and for those of you who don't know Dave Ramsey, YouTube him, he is an interesting character, but he's the type of person that you you can easily misjudge as well, but he knows his stuff when it comes to finance. And something that he says is that, that couples that um, live like roommates or flatmates for a long time beforehand, when you come to that transition where you've got to join stuff as a married couple who live together, 
it can be very, very difficult for you to actually blend your finances when you've been doing stuff so separately. So X person pays for that, X person pays for this. It's not to say you don't have your own independent discretionary money. It's not to say that you now, so I'm out with my boys and I'm spending from the joint account. That's not how it works. The joint account is for bills. The joint mm. account is for household costs. And I've still got my own money for me to, to spend on, Pokemon cards and sweets. The, the, the first thing that came to my head. <laughs> but the point still remains that if you're a couple, blending your finances once you get to that point is the way to do it. And it's the easiest way to build wealth from what I understand. No, very rarely have we seen people build wealth if they're managing their finances separately. You have a lot more financial firepower when it comes as a couple. And that brings us on to some of the, the major benefits of actually bringing your finances together, right? So. I'll take myself as an example. Me and my girlfriend can afford to buy in London. We can afford to buy a house because there's two of us. Neither of us could do it alone. And I guess in, in you guys' experience, you've had a similar scenario where, where Eve, you've got a home and you can afford to get another home. Is that helped by the fact Nick is, you're with Nick doing it or could you have done it by yourself? How does that work? What, what do you mean? So you guys, you guys have managed uh, to get to where you are financially. Has that, has that been aided by doing it as a couple? Is it easier to do it together? Do you think it's easier to build long-term wealth and plan once you've got to the point where there's two of you? Or A hundred percent. I feel like two heads are always better than one. It's such a cliche saying. But um, there's just so much... There's, I mean, there's so many, so many dimensions to this. Not even just um, uh, how you can build together, but when you're going through hardship to have more than one person um uh with an income it just kind of it protects you from from financial shock yeah exactly you can build a much bigger financial cushion as well when there's two people rather than one i mean when we both bought our homes we bought them separately so it was before we were um before we were engaged mm-hmm. so quite a while back but now we're actually at a point that we could buy together and get an even um bigger property or um you know we can do a lot more if we wanted to you know buy more investment properties for example we could do based on our joint income in comparison to what similar to you and your girlfriend in comparison to what we can do um by ourselves but that doesn't just apply for people in relationships it applies to like um friends as well there are people that are that really do want to get onto the property ladder but they're struggling to do so um with a single income mm-hmm. so if you do have friends that you trust again they're not going to run off of your money or anything like that if you have friends that you trust or um family members etc mm-hmm. then um, there's no harm in joining together and building that dream together there are a lot of other communities that do this so well um, and they're able to um, create uh, generational wealth by doing things as a family mm. rather than doing things um, individually. So, yeah, two has a better one. Yeah, and just before, just before we come up to the property point, I do want to note that me and my girlfriend, we're doing it together, but because we're bringing two different amounts of money into it, and even if we weren't, it's a good thing to do in the beginning. There's a document called a deed of trust which yeah. basically explains who brought what to the property investment. So who, and who, it, it outlines what percentage you own. So should anything ever go left, make sure you have a deed of trust before you pull your resources and start doing things. So it's clear and documented to protect both parties, should yeah. it ever go left. Yeah. But yeah, Nick, you were saying. I was going to highlight that, though. 
in getting in place the legal protections involved mm. if, if the relationship was to go there. And I think um, the other point is, I think just that combining of two or just the syndicate, I don't know, there's a lot of, um, at least the circle moving because different people are investment bankers or they work for private equity. It's like people, you get to a certain career and then career point, you, um, whatever you may be in what, in what career path, and then you, people start creating syndicate pots. So let's just say I contribute one grand, two grand, and it's like 10, 12 people, whatever. And then we go buy um, a massive shares or whatever. We start buying companies or commercial real estate. It's the same people that if you're a university student, you know, and you, you have a goal and then you, you band with four or five people and you say, you know what, we're going to contribute and you have the legal protections in place. We're going to contribute some, a percentage of our student loans together I'm going to buy this property, come out of university, and then two or three years down the line, when you do want to be in a relationship and you want to uh, divest or whatever, you've got over a three or four or five-year period, something that's built up uh, in asset value. So that's one point. The second point also is, um, I think, just encouragement, you know? Yeah, and accountability. And accountability. So I remember I was on... Uh, 27 grand at the time then I, I jumped up to 34 grand and then Eva already bought her place or whatever and it was I was comfortable in in one of my corporate jobs like I, I got to travel to different countries I was um, expensing different things wearing nice suits or whatever so I was, I was comfortable you know that working that city life even though the, the salary didn't necessarily match that propensity but it was like you know what if I want to take the next step he was encouraging me and telling me you know what if you want to do X, Y, and Z and be here at a certain point in time, you do need to think about uh, considering a different career move or, or moving up, you know? And it's that encouragement that pushed me to push through the next bracket in 1955, uh, you know? So I think having that encouragement and now... And even vice versa as well. Yeah. Like, you would tell me, okay, you know, Eve, you've earned this salary for this amount of time. You actually need to start looking for a new job. And i am like, okay, cool. <laughs> point there let me start looking and and just giving you that um uh courage to be able to like when you see other people around you doing certain things um and moving up and um, it gives you that courage and that drive to also do that like step out of your comfort zone to be able to mm. do the same as well mm. um even negotiating salaries like mm. we discuss it with each other before yeah. we will talk to any um um a potential employer and we think okay what are our go- what are our future goals mm. and how much do we need to be able to earn in order for us to reach those particular goals um, and based on that we're like okay well this is the minimum salary that I need to be able to earn in order for me to do xyz yeah. um, and you can use that as, as a bargaining tool. Would you say it strengthened your relationship as a couple talking about money quite openly because you've, you've spoken about the encouragement and things do you think it's made a big difference to you? A hundred percent, a hundred and fifty percent. I think um, growing up like from the household I was in, I think um, something I, I saw was that I'm not saying money is everything, but it's an important facet of any relationship. Yeah. And the sooner as an individual, no matter how good looking or what type of job you are, the sooner you know, I'm being, I'm being serious. You know, sometimes people may feel they're sweet boys or whatever, you know, and feel that they look to get them to a certain point when it, when it weren't, you know, it's your ability to provide um, or, or think of that, that or have that long-term view. So the sooner you have that clued on in your, in your mentality and have that mindset shift, 
the easier it is for you in your relationship dynamics. Because at the end of the day, you know, um, as we get older, as you get more and more responsibilities, those responsibilities to a certain degree equate to costs, you know? And if you're not pushing ahead, um, building or or making those changes or whatever, you're going to be saddled with costs and and, and baggage. And then because of that baggage and, and those extra costs, it can lead to um, arguments and stress in relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I 100% think that it has strengthened our relationship tenfold. Yeah, yeah, being open about our money, definitely. <clears throat> I mean, it's like, it's a, big, it's a big foundation of your relationship. I feel like it's something that you have to be uh, relatively open talking about. But that being said, um, I'm still in a sense a feminist and I feel like all women should, as well as, um, <laughs> as well as uh, doing things together, I, I do feel like it's very important for women to have their own as well mm. and just have that um, security in yourself that no matter what happens, like you're good. Mm. You don't, you know, having someone, um, being in a relationship or having someone to do things with is a great addition, but it's not essential and you can do things on your own mm. if needs be. Mm. I just feel like that's a good foundation that yeah. women, and all people, not just women yeah. actually, women and men should both have. Because I think um, I, I said it every time I bumped into someone when I first met Eve, the analogy I always used to use was that, like, um, like you know how you have a sailor, you have a captain, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel sometimes if the, the ship was on fire or whatever, the sailor may not necessarily know what to do if the ship was on fire. But if you have a vice captain or whatever, they would, God forbid something happens to the captain, they're really in the middle, they're in the forefront to take control, knows what needs to be done in order to keep the, 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 uh, the ship moving. And that's the analogy I like to describe Eve as a. As I'm not saying you're a wife, but, <laughs> but you're you're no, you're, you're co-captain. Yeah, you're you're not both, co-captain. Yeah, we're both <laughs> co-captain. Yeah, co-captain. Well, you swap whenever it's necessary, and you know? someone's wife, someone's captain. It just depends on the situation. I'm not trying to blow up you guys' spot. <laughs> it depends on the situation. I think it's um, it's important, like you know, in terms of like how I encourage you if you start investing, you know, because mm. you never know, like relationships can turn left right and center you know so it's important that as a man in a relationship um you are still pushing your other half to achieve those individual goals or milestones individually um as well as collectively you know so you have an identity that exists outside your relationship so i think that's also a pivotal uh point for sure well, we've covered some of the benefits and it's it's important to understand that obviously when you pull resources that you do have the opportunity to move faster. Like literally two heads are better than one. More people putting money into a situation makes it either easier to manage or you can actually just do more. And the other thing is that having these conversations can be the bedrock of strengthening your relationships because if you've never spoken about money and then you realize that, all th- that this person has a gambling habit after you've got married and took, uh, taken out a mortgage... It's a little late for you to potentially minimize your downside. Whereas if you found out that, that Ladbrokes was the number one thing in their, in their bank account, you could have probably left earlier. And <laughs> you know what I mean? If someone's addicted to a roulette wheel, you're not going to be able to help them necessarily. But there are some pitfalls when it comes to talking about money. Money? Money. When it comes to talking about money. And um, one of the things I find, especially given the job that I do, which we will not disclose, Go on my LinkedIn if you're really that curious, is um, 
financial shame and the idea that we demonize people who are in debt, even though the world tells us to get into debt because that's how you build your credit score, right? Or that's how you can afford your education. But also, um, we praise people who are wealthy. So it seems like people who, we praise outliers. Like, this is so mad. I was watching um, a DBE video, so D-Block Europe video t today. And that 18-year-old, he was wearing a Balmain hoodie and uh, a diamond Rolex. Like, if I'm 18 and I'm looking at that, I'm thinking, is that how I'm supposed to live? I'm supposed to be wearing a 600-pound hoodie and have a 20-grand watch on or a 10-grand watch on, age 18. And that can make you feel a lot of shame or embarrassment. How have you? How do you navigate that in a relationship, especially where maybe one partner earns a lot more than the other person, or where someone the outward projection doesn't match the reality? So you've got the big car, but there's you have to manage your petrol expenses. <laughs> no, you can. No, you can. Okay. Um... <laughs> I think the, the biggest thing I've learned through life is like start from the inside and, and work your way out. Mm. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, it's like um, you shouldn't live a facade or, or whatever. And I think I went through that change or period whereby I was spending a lot of money on clothes, you know, buying those designers or, or whatever, or like that guy that liked to be praised. And then you, you realize that it's just not, a sustainable uh, thing to do. Mm. Uh, if you have any aspirations for for being a father one day or um, having a family, you know, you kind of need to start making those decisions earlier rather than later. Mm -hmm. So I think the biggest principle, because I'm a consultant and I learn, is like the eighty twenty rule. And the eighty twenty rule, when you apply that to your finances, a majority of decisions you make in your 20s and 30s will dictate the rest of your financial life you know as opposed to people thinking that when i make more money later i can do x y and z mm -hmm. that's an exception it's not the principle the principle is is that the main decisions you make in your early years that's what dictates everything else so if you can weed away those bad financial habits earlier on it's only to your benefit and then in terms of the can the, i add before on, you on, move on, on. And just regarding shame specifically, I mean, it's quite, um, when you're young, because I'm just thinking about when I was um, at uni, it's quite a difficult one to navigate because, like, growing up, I grew up in a council estate, um, East London, E16, Brat Brat. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. Growing up, um, like, everyone is working class, so it's like you kind of just, everyone is the same. But then as I got older and I went to um, a college in Essex, Essex was more of like a, a middle-class area. Mm -hmm. So I started seeing people living a different type of life to what um, I was living and what I was used to. And I did feel that like pressure. And then when I went to um, uni, and that's, that's when I, um, um, I started earning a bit because I was working a lot more. Um, I really did feel that pressure to kind of like live up to this um, ideal that I've that. I could see other people around me, like enjoying their lives. Um, uh, Trying to keep up with the fraud base in uni. <laughs> well, not the fraud base, but no. But, but sometimes you can't tell, right? Someone turns up in a Mercedes first year of uni, it's like, and you're looking at your Oyster card, like, why is it even free? I don't want it. I don't want it. <laughs> 
that's very true like it is very hard to like kind of detach yourself from that and that um way of thinking because I know my first year of uni um when I was earning uh, a couple of hundred a month I would spend so much money oh. on hair extensions um because I felt like this is a way of finally living that life that I've always seen other people live around me and I just want to I just want to enjoy my money and like start being like them um but but, you know, you do get to that level of maturity where you realise, you know, how much am I actually spending on, like, Remy hair? Like, this is mm. actually ridiculous. Mm. And what else can I be doing with my money? Um, so, I don't know, you kind of just have to have... It's easier, much easier said than done. Mm. So much easier said than done because it depends on who you surround yourself with. Mm. But it's important to have positive influences around you and people that don't necessarily judge based on um, the way you look. And if you do have... Uh, friends that do judge based on the way they, where you look purely and not anything deeper than that, then those are relatively superficial friends and they're not really people that you should be spending your time with. Spend, you should be spending your time more with people that will sharpen you, um, like intellectuals, etc. People that will um, broaden your, your mind rather than judge you based on your, on your wallet. So um, I do get regarding to um, I'm sure, just like, sure, yeah, yeah. Just, just that feeling, but it's something that you kind of just have to um, surround yourself with better influences. Mm. But I, you were saying, so yeah, and, and I think it just goes back to the money. I think sometimes the money mitigates. As much as we like discussing the action, if people want the results, you know, but sometimes I feel sometimes the stuff we don't allude to is the, the mental shift we underwent to get to where we are, mm. you know? I think it comes back from, like, um, really empowering yourself and kind of saying, like, you know, this is my vision, this is my goal, and this is what I want to achieve for my life and not what anyone else uh, cares about. And I think once you impart that into your psyche that this is where I need to get to, all the extra side stuff doesn't matter. Mm. And I think it's, like, um, from reading tweets, like, um, uh, like James Franco. James Franco said something about... Um, rich people wear uh, um, rich people wear ripped jeans and Converse, whereby poor people wear LV and Gucci. You know, it's a. I feel it's like a. It's a poor man's mentality. Mm -hmm. You to don't get me wrong. If you've got the money, to do it. But it's a poor man's mentality to be so showy and flashy. You know, if you have the money to do that, fair enough. But then work on getting the income to drive those habits that you whether you like. Uh, flashy things or whatever because even like there was one of the, the bars one of my friends used to say that if you work on your your physical health your physique or whatever you don't need expensive gums or whatever to when you get to the club if you're if you're well built you go to the gym all you need is a plain t-shirt nice jeans or whatever and as opposed to the guy that's <laughs> all lanky and everything and he's wearing Balenciaga or whatever so it, it goes back to that point that when you work on the inside and you work your way out, it's a lot better for you in the long run. Yeah, you know? and your wealth isn't your um, your worth, if that makes sense. So there have been times in our relationship where our um, where one has out and the other, and then the other has out and the other, but it doesn't really change who we are. Like mm. as long, also be, be again, be conscious of who you influence, who who you're um, surrounding yourself with, because if I was the type of person where, or if you were the type of person whereby if I was earning a lot less than you, you'd be like, oh, who is this girl? Like, you're not on my level. Mm. Then, you know, you know that would be, be an issue. But, you know, 
know who you're getting into a relationship with and know who you're surrounding yourself with. If you are with someone that takes a lot, um, sees you based on your earnings at that particular time, then there's a good chance that if life was to, or if things were to, if, you know, life was to hit the fan, then they may not necessarily be around. So if you have, uh, if you're in a relationship, if you have a girl or if you have a guy, it goes both ways. Mm-hmm. Really likes you for your money. You do need to be a bit cautious around them because if you don't have money tomorrow, will they still like you? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just says, how genuine is that relationship? And that's a perfect point to talk about communication. Nick, um, at the beginning of you guys' relationship, I think you've got a story about a communication that feeds off the idea of if if my partner makes less than me, maybe they won't like me. No, so I'll share my story. So I was on the grad scheme of a company, you know, and uh, at the time I was earning 27 grand. And I guess living in my own warped world, I thought people who worked in the city, that's, yeah, you know, we're the shit, you know, we, we earn uh, so much or we had the potential to earn so much, you know? Mm. So at the time when I went on a date with Eve, I think one of the first things was, oh, like, how much do you earn or whatever? And then I guess the, the minute she said, like, at the time you were 41 or something or... or no, it was like, Maybe just under 40. Just, just under 40. The minute you said that, I was like, oh, shit, I can't say I'm less or the same. I need to be a bit higher, you know? That's where the, the lie crept in. And I guess it comes back to that. I put so much worth on how much I was earning. Mm. And that just led to communication suicide, you know, because it's like, Every time I had a, a pay increase or whatever, it's like, <laughs> oh, so they're increasing your pay by £30 or £40. It doesn't really add up, you know, or like even my reluctancy to always pay for some of the meals as opposed to split it because it was like, I couldn't afford. There's <laughs> a gap in the, in the added uh, power, you know? Um, so, yeah, yeah. and it's gonna come out in the end ultimately it came out when um there was a time when i was in when i was living in um, bristol just before i bought my um flat i was thinking actually let me buy um uh, an investment property i'll get a house with like four bedrooms i couldn't afford to do it myself but i thought oh actually with nick's pay we can probably do it together rent (laughs) rent some rooms out and we can earn some income from it so um i do you mind if I show this? Yeah, go on, yeah. Go on, go on, go on. So I was like, oh, um, you know, can you send me your pay slips? Uh, the mortgage company got to want it so that we can then um, figure out how we're going to buy this house together. And then he would be like, oh, actually. Um, His head was hot, innit? Yeah. <laughs> really stressing about it. Oh, actually, um, you know, the way they pay me is actually not that, it's a bit convoluted. Um, it's mainly bonuses. That's how I make up my salary. And I was thinking, yeah, okay, that's fine. You know, they'll accept bonuses. Like, just bring what you have. That's absolutely fine. And then, <laughs> and then it was like one excuse um, after the other. And then I think eventually we went to um, relationship counseling with one of our good friends. Mm. Um, and we just laid everything out on the table, this being one of them. And then at the end of the counseling, he told me um, privately how much he earned. I was thinking, why didn't you just tell me this in the first place? Like, 
like can you big deal is it really not a big deal like mm. I've obviously if I if I knew then I wouldn't be um splitting the bills like 50 50 I would like I'll it'll, it'll make more sense for it to be a proportion of our salary or like, of our, what we can afford at the time rather than doing everything um halfway so and it really didn't change anything. It's just like, okay, cool. That means I can't buy the house right now. Not a big deal. I'll buy my flat. And then when the time comes, we can buy, if we want, still want to, buy together. Um, and I feel like a weight was lifted off of your shoulders at the yeah, time as well. Right. Because, you know, when you lie about something like that, like you, you find yourself in a whole web of lies. Mm like continuously because like you were saying um every time you'd get a promotion at work i'd be like oh, okay cool how much are they paying you now and then you'd have to you know make up a new figure that was higher than the last <laughs> figure that, then you'd have to try and remember okay what was the last figure that you said oh i'm not too so you know once when you're both just open and honest about um everything in the relationship things are just so much so mm. much easier mm-hmm. And I'm sure from Nick's perspective that when you found out what the real figures were and, and you never cussed them out and left, it was at this point he knew he found their wife. Yeah. <laughs> but we've covered quite a lot in this episode so far. And there's, there's one thing I really want to touch on before, before we start to sign out the episode is this thing that seems to happen and it seems to be more prevalent amongst women than men where you take on debt for your partner. So it'll be things like maybe buying cars or put, yes, yeah, so, because a lot of guys, they don't take their credit as seriously as they could do. So they end up wanting a car and they end up financing it in their partner's name. Now, there may be some people who are listening to this who have done this, or they borrowed large sums of money to a partner and maybe it hasn't worked out. What are your thoughts on that? What are your recommendations on doing that kind of thing? Boy, oh boy. Oh boy. I'll say Probably, personally, the only time I would ever take out debt for my partner is if I was married and if it involved my child or something like that. Because (laughs) it just... You never know, not to be like um, uh, pessimistic or anything like that, but you never know what's going to happen. Do you know what? I remember I was dating this guy when I was young. A long time ago. A long, long, long (laughs) time and um he was driving my car he um uh he went through um a red light or was speeding or something like that went through a red light i can't remember what it was and he got points and he asked me to take on the points for him and i was like what (laughs) i'm sorry no way and you know what a few months later what happened we broke up why because he was cheating on me and imagine i took on his points so i'll just be there being cheated on with three points on my clean license for what? With a higher insurance bill. <laughs> exactly, with a higher insurance bill for what? No way. So um, yeah, when it comes to when it comes to things like that, taking on debt or just anything that could potentially put you in the shit, I would say just be very, very, very careful. You have to have a lot of trust for this person. Generally speaking, when you do lend money in, like to whoever. I think you should only lend if you have uh, the mindset that there's a good chance that you may, if you're okay with not getting the money back. Mm. If you're okay with not getting the money back, then that's fine. Lend as you will. But if you feel like, okay, I'm going to lend this, but I, if, it, if, I'm, if I'm not paid back, um, it's going to affect uh, like my ability to pay my own bills, then I would say think twice mm. before you do that. Because I think the day, I think the biggest thing to understand is um, affordability. You know, um, 
even though the banks aren't actually giving out uh, the deposits or the mortgages that people want in relation to their um, salary. But it's the case that, for example, if you um, taking out a finance for someone, let's just say it's a car, and in two years' time, you're looking to buy a house and that car is still there, it's going to affect how much the bank the banks can lend uh, to you. So I think it's, you have to fact, this is, this is why it comes back to having goals. Because if you have a three-year or five-year goal, you know realistically you cannot take on finance for another individual, you know, because it's going to disrupt, disrupt your ability to get onto the property ladder. So it may, it may mean that you may have to wait another two years until that thing is, uh, you finish paying that thing off or you've returned it back or whatever. So Just to add, sorry, if the bank wouldn't lend that person the money, there's a good reason for it. <laughs> If the guy can't get his own finance for his own car, there's a reason. There's a reason that the bank don't want to give him money. So if the bank doesn't want to give him money, you yourself shouldn't be giving <laughs> But I understand why, like, when you're in love or, like, you know, we people in general, when you're in love, you have such a good, like, kind, um, caring, giving heart. Mm. And you just want to do the things to make the other person happy. And I completely understand that. And it only comes from a good place. But at the same time, we have to be wise. Okay, okay, that was that's a good that's a good summary there. Don't borrow money to people who banks who professionally borrow money to people would not borrow to. So to summarize the core topics in this in this episode, I guess ignore social media when it comes to applying pressure to your relationship and figuring out who pays for the first day is a personal decision between you and the person you're dating, because me and my girlfriend argued over who was going to pay and then we ended up going halves. It was at that moment I knew I found a wife. Um, (laughs) um, Having the talk with your partner as early as possible is crucial for two reasons, for two core reasons. Number one, it it presents honesty and gives you a foundation to talk about, about who you are and where you are, but it gives you, it gives you scope to build your relationship and have those deeper and more personal conversations. With that being said, there are pitfalls associated with that where you can end up taking on debt for a partner. There, there can be shame in a relationship where, especially because there is a lot of pressure on men to out-earn their partners. And then when you have that conversation, you realize that, especially with black women in 2020, they're not playing around. They're out here getting that bag. And you need to up your level sometimes. And it's only right that you do. But managing that conversation where it's not that you're talking down to someone or shaming someone into saying, well, what kind of man are you or what kind of woman are you to not earn X amount? You need to, you need to up your game before me, and you can be, before me and you can be anything. But in saying that, there are some major benefits where you can literally double your ability to invest, double your ability to grow and, and, move, and move forward with your finances. If you and someone, if you find the right person, you can make those decisions with and combine with and make a plan and goals together. And it, it bonds you guys together by having that open and honest discussion. But now we've come to one of my favorite parts of every episode where it's a quick tip. It's the type of nugget that you only get once you've been down the road, once you've, once you've had a bit of experience and exposure to relationships and money in this case. So, Eve, what's the quick tip? For this um, quick tip and um, once I know I've already mentioned it but once you do feel like this is actually someone that you could potentially marry have the finance discussion and a good way to start would be by um, checking each other's 
credit score so not one person checking the other person but sharing each other's credit score that will give you a good um uh, idea of their financial history and um how good they are with managing their money in general and then you can take it from there okay um and now as if we haven't added enough value in this episode as if the money medics don't drop gems like other people drop pennies um we've got some free things that people can do as immediate next steps right now when it comes to considering relationships and money. Nick, do you want to start with the first next step? Yeah, of course. Um, so I guess the most um, important thing is being honest with yourself uh, and your relationship with money. You know, and, and what that means is like understanding your spending habits. And even if you haven't got time to go through your bank statements or look at how you spend the last two or three months, there are technological tools like uh, money dashboard and yo you can download um so that you can download and it will tell you where you're spending the most of your money you know in a two minute uh, process um so that's one of the the fundamental things i would do is just understanding where exactly you're spending your your money and eve this is probably your favorite point <laughs> check your credit score um you can use apps like um uh what's this one that i use clear school clear school you can download experian etc and that get, clear school is really good as and it gives you um a good very detailed level um idea of your financial history um and it gives you tips on how to improve it as well so yeah download clear school and have a look at what your credit score is um i guess to just to round up i guess the final thing is just reviewing um how uh the impact on how your your parents spend money and how that has impacted you, mm. you know, because it could be that if you come from a household whereby someone's the breadwinner, and uh, like let's say your your mother or your father was the breadwinner, and then the other person didn't have to be clued on about finances, you then have to kind of take on that mantle that that's not the way things are done, you know. I think everyone should have some sort of financial literacy to uh, a degree you know, in, in helping the relationship be a lot uh, easier. So I think when it comes to discussing finances as a couple, mm. quick question, like how was money managed in your household and how was it managed in your household? And you can kind of join the dots together as to, oh, there was a lot of uh, spending or debt or there wasn't that much spending or there was fair credit cards. And you can kind of start to build up a financial picture and then a roadmap as to how you guys can come forward as a couple. So that's what I would say. Okay, so some tangible next steps there. First off, starting with being honest with yourself as an individual because you're coming into a relationship as one person to try and figure out life with another person. If you don't know where you're at, neither of you know where you're at. So understanding that as a first step. Then, as Eve so eloquently puts, checking your credit score and using that as the foundation for conversations around money because that is essentially the world's view of how good you are with your money, um, how good your credit score is. And there's free tools available. So you've got Experian has a free product. ClearScore is free. And Call Credit is a free one. Sorry, Credit Karma is the free one as well. And all of them show you, show you slightly different information because they're, they're run by three different credit agencies. Most people don't know there are free credit agencies in the world. And they may all have different information about you. So it's important that you're using each one of them just to stay on top of what your credit history looks like. And then the final tip is to review your financial culture. What 
is normal to you financially? Where did you grow up? Was it, were you in the house where mum did everything? Was it in the house where dad did everything? Was it in the house where no one did anything and you just had to figure it out? You bring all of that to your relationship. So understanding that as early as possible is crucial. And having that conversation with your partner can be a massive bonding experience. And it's going to be very, very tough. Me and my girlfriend have been having it. It's, it, it's not an easy conversation to have. It's a revealing conversation. And you may find soft spots or somewhat pain points that you never knew you had. So making sure you have that as early as possible with your partner is crucially important. But we've come to the end of the episodes and the money medics have delivered. <laughs> Two out of three of them are here. We miss Ashley, but we got Eve and we've got Nick. Where can the people reach you as if they don't already know, right? How can people get in touch with you to talk about more of this, how can they hear more great financial tips from the experts that are the Money Medics? So we have um, an Instagram at Money Medics. Uh, we have a YouTube, again, Money Medics. Um, and we're creating um, a website as well. So it will probably be moneymedics.io by the time this comes out. Um, we also, just to note, we have um, a Money Mastery subscription coming out very soon. So by the time this is out, it will probably be out by then. Um, and that's where every month we'll be touching on a different financial topic. So we'll go through investing, um, buying your first residential property, buying your first investment property, um, savings, debt management, etc. credit score. So we'll be um, touching on in detail actually with so many different topics. Um, we have financial experts and community experts involved as well. So we have collaborations with different um, apps um, and fintech companies, as well as some of the other really well-known um, uh, money bloggers, etc. So please do look at our Instagram for more information and you can check out our website for more information about that as well. Yeah, and uh, also like, connect with us on LinkedIn, you know. Yeah. Um, I think we're quite vocal as well on um, what we share in the money made community on LinkedIn. Um, but yeah, um, check all those handles and some exciting things are coming very, very soon. Awesome. So as always, Black Millennial Money, bringing the value, spend money episode. We talked about money and relationships. And in case you don't know how to get hold of us, you can reach us at BMM Global on Instagram, blackmillennialmoney.com, the website. We're also on Twitter, which is BMM Global Pod now. And yeah, tune in next week. We have a make money episode. You, you do not want to miss the make money episodes. We're dropping gems because I know a lot of you, a lot of you, your primary concern is filling up the pockets, not emptying the pockets. So let's get to that first and let's talk about making money. Thank you very much. See you next week. This is Black Millennial Money. 